Today's message is an Easter message. Now, before you tune away and go, what's Easter? Trust me, you're going to want to hear this because it's not a typical Easter message. We're actually going to be exploring a a story from Luke uh, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And you may not have read this one before because it actually happens uh, after the resurrection story. So it's like a second resurrection story in Luke. Anyways, I could go into a whole lot about that, but I'm not going to. What I want you to know, though, is this message that our senior pastor, Margarita Vega, is about to share uh, is going to teach you three simple prayers that maybe you've prayed before, whether you believe right now or you're doubting right now or you've just given up on faith altogether. These three prayers can help you reconnect with God who's active and alive in the world today because resurrection is happening right now. Check it out. Let us pray. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, humility, and to the way of love, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. This Easter morning, we're hearing Luke's gospel to hear his version of the resurrection story. This means we're not in Matthew to feel the booming earthquake or see the giant stone roll away. Matthew is the Marvel Studios of Easter Gospels with dazzling sights and sounds. We're also not in John, which is the hallmark channel of Easter Gospels. There we find Mary mistaking Jesus for the gardener, weeping in grief, the camera zooming in on her tears. John's Easter gospel should come with a box of tissues. And we're not in Mark either, which is the Alfred Hitchcock Easter gospel, because there the people discover the empty tomb and then run away screaming for their lives. It wasn't until later that Mark added some happier stories at the end to make it more Eastery and less Twilight zone But here we are in Luke, which for all practical purposes, is the Mythbusters version of Easter. His story is for the skeptical and the searching. Luke's gospel is for any of us, and the part of all of us, that approaches the resurrection with a lot of questions and perhaps some doubts. Luke's Easter story is for any of us who find ourselves wondering how this story could possibly be true, not just then, But now, it's for anyone uncertain about Jesus or the Christian faith. Luke would want us to know that our questions are both permissible and a pathway to new life. Because Jesus is here, whether you realize it or not, to meet you in your questions and to show you that resurrection can happen in your life as well. Today's story from Luke is commonly called The Road to Emmaus, and even the story itself carries with it a lot of unanswered questions. For one thing, this story comes to us from out of nowhere. Luke's gospel is 97% finished before he introduces new characters that we've never met before, a location no one had ever heard of, and a plot line with more holes than the last Star Wars movie. One traveler was named Cleopas, whoever that is. The other traveler may have been his wife. We don't know for sure. They were apparently followers of Jesus, though they didn't recognize him when he showed up. We know nothing about Emmaus, the town to which they were traveling. 
It is mentioned nowhere else in the Bible or in all of Greek or Roman history. Biblical archaeologists have come up with at least nine different locations where Emmaus may have existed. No one knows for sure. But I love what biblical scholar Marcus Borg said about this story. He said, Emmaus was nowhere because Emmaus is everywhere. This story is true because it proves itself over and over again through our lives over time. The resurrected Jesus could have appeared before the the powerful and influential, but he did not. He could have popped over to see Pilate or Caesar and put a quick end to the speculation and conspiracy theories, but he did not. Instead, he visited ordinary people, walking on an ordinary road toward an ordinary place, carrying their sorrow and their questions. In other words, people like you and me. We are the reason Luke waits until the very end to introduce anonymous, ordinary characters so that this could be our entry point into the story. And as we, as we walk through the conversations between these two travelers and the one that they did not know was Jesus, I can't help but think that what Luke is crafting here is not just a story or a legend What he has written here is a kind of liturgy. He has given us something instructive for how to pray. For any of us who are spiritually seeking or skeptical, these Emmaus travelers are like our teachers. What they say to Jesus is a model for how we can pray to him in the midst of our own questions. And if we can learn to pray them, we can encounter the resurrection like never before. There are three prayers in this story, each prayer made of three simple words. Their first prayer was in verse 18. Who are you? After Jesus suddenly appeared to them and asked them what they were talking about, this is how Cleopas responded to him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? In other words... Who in the world are you? Where have you been? Who who are you? This is the first prayer. Because if we're honest, when we're struggling with doubts and questions, this starting prayer is the most direct, most common, and most honest way to address God. Who are you, God? Where are you? I, I, I don't know exactly who I'm praying to or how this works or whether this makes a difference. All I know is that I've been suffering and I'm plagued with more questions than answers. And all I can think of to say as a prayer right now is, who are you? Where are you? And friends, if that is where you are right now in your struggles with the faith, and if that is the best way you can pray, then here's the good news. God's presence is not contingent on your acceptance. Just as Jesus appeared to these two people without their fully realizing who he was, God is with you whether you are fully able to understand it or not. And if saying, who are you, God, is the best prayer you can utter right now, then at least you have enough faith to address God in this way. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said, we are closer to God 
when we are asking questions than when we think we have the answers. Their second prayer is from verse 21. It flows directly out of the first prayer, and it is just as powerful. They said to Jesus, we had hoped. They explained to Jesus what had happened back in Jerusalem. They told him about the teachings and the miracles, and then the arrest and the trial and the torture and the crucifixion. And after sharing all of this information from their heads, they opened up what was deep down in their hearts. In verse 21, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Even though they didn't know exactly who they were talking to, what they knew was that they could trust him with their innermost fears and anxieties. They, they had no idea it was Jesus walking with them, but they knew they could open up their heart to him, sharing their deepest struggles and sorrows and their sense of hopelessness. This second prayer reminds us that just as God's presence does not depend on our acceptance, the strength of God's compassion does not depend on the strength of our conviction. Even if your faith is weak, God's love for you is strong. Even if you're struggling with who God is, you can still name before God all of your struggles and fears and worries. For even if you feel uncertain about Jesus, he's right there with you, listening to you in love. This leads to the final prayer. As they walked along, Jesus began teaching them, offering them new insights into the scriptures and talking to them about God's power and presence throughout history. And as they approached Emmaus, these two people said to Jesus this third three-word prayer, stay with us. They still didn't know this was Jesus that they were talking to, who are you? Something about Jesus led them to believe they could trust him with their deepest struggles in their hearts. We had hoped. But somehow, over the course of their journey, they realized that being with this companion was a lot more comforting than being separated from him. So they said to him, don't go. We don't have it all figured out. We don't even fully know who you are, but don't go. We want to be with you. Stay with us. Do you find yourself offering those three prayers to God today? Well, Luke has set the stage for the final dramatic scene in this story. It takes place, not surprisingly, around a table. It's just the three of them, and Jesus takes a loaf of bread and a cup, and he gives thanks and shares it with these two new friends. And as he does, the eyes of these two skeptical seekers are opened, and they not only realize that it was Jesus who was with them, but also that the resurrection was real in them. And Luke's point is unmistakable. After offering these three prayers, these people needed to be in community. The gathering at the table was sacramental. It was an image for communion, an image of the church. Luke tells us that the church is for anyone asking these three questions and praying these prayers. It's where every spiritual seeker can find hope and compassion and encouragement. So for anyone today 
who has more questions than answers regarding the faith. For anyone searching for some sense of who and where God is, and especially for anyone who's experienced harm from other religious institutions, we invite you to be a part of this faith community in this church. Hyde Park is a place where questions are honored, not discouraged, where doubts are not subject to judgment, and where all of us are merely imperfect people walking together to learn about a loving and compassionate God. And it is a place where we are all seeking to encounter the resurrection of Jesus one day, one step at a time. And if you'd like to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and discover new life and a greater love for God and others in your life, then we have just the next step for you. Starting tomorrow, we're beginning a journey together as a church that will help us grow deeper in our love for God and each other. And you can do it from the privacy of your own home or with others along the way. It's called Love Conquers All. 50 days of encountering new life. And here's how it works. Starting tomorrow and every Monday for the next several weeks, you can receive a special email from the church that will contain scriptures and readings and some simple exercises that you can choose from that will help you grow in three areas. Your love for God, your love for other people, and love for yourself. It'll be rooted in our new worship series on love based on 1 Corinthians 13, which starts next Sunday. This is an entirely customizable, self-directed, and spirit-led encounter. You can do it privately on your own or with others. Either way, you will experience camaraderie with hundreds of others in this church who are going to do it together as if we are all gathered around that Emmaus table with Jesus. You can sign up to receive these emails by scanning the QR code or going to our Next Steps page and signing up for Love Conquers All, 50 Days of Encountering New Life. I really, really encourage you to join us. Because with all of your questions and struggles, your eyes will be opened to the power of love, resurrecting you to new life and new possibilities. And this journey will conclude on Pentecost Sunday, 50 days from now with a joyous celebration of the Holy Spirit, alive and well, in and through the church. Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you're a, a longtime follower of Jesus or a searching, questioning seeker, and even if you're a little of both, you can take heart in this good news. For those who pray, who are you, God? God is with you. God's presence does not depend on our acceptance. For those who pray, we had hoped, God cares for you. The strength of God's compassion does not depend on the strength of our conviction. And for those who pray, stay with us. Find your place in this community. Experience new life. For God's resurrection does not depend on your recognition. God is at work in you whether you realize it or not. That's the good news of the gospel, the good news of Easter. Hallelujah, indeed. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for the good news of Easter and for your son, Jesus, who has been raised from the dead. You meet us in our questions and our fears, present with us all along. Thank you for working to raise us to new life even before we realize it. Lead us as we seek to follow you, one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this special Easter sermon. Whether someone shared this with you or you're watching it for the first time, we want you to join us on that 50-day encounter. You can find out more in the uh, video notes with a link to our Next Steps page, a link to the 50-day encounter, and some reflection questions for you to take this message deeper. I really hope you'll share this with a friend. I think this content is helpful for us who are putting our faith back together after years of letting it languish or years of abuse and not being able to understand if the church is a safe place. I hope, I hope, I pray that in this message, you have realized that maybe church can be a safe place for you again. I'm so glad to be on the journey with you. I hope to see you again next time.